Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. Today, I'm very excited to announce that we have a guest from, well, originally from Newport Beach, California, has been living in Maui, Hawaii for the last 14 years, and we're lucky enough to have her with us today. Uh, Tehana Edraline, welcome. Uh, She is a priestess, an author, published author, an alchemist, and an artist. For over 25 years, she has had personal experience and the last six years, professional experience with healing. She's developed her own modality focused on energy transmutation. So, Tehana, Tehana, if you could tell us a little bit about what you do, what this is, uh, this modality, and maybe how you got started. Okay, great. Thank you, Jen. I just want to say thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate your invitation. And how I got started with this is I I actually started out in my holistic healing practice as a Reiki practitioner, Um, also a multidimensional channel and work with um, the other side per se, and um, get a lot of my spiritual guidance um, as a medium and as a channel. And I also have been to a school for a variety of different things, such as life coaching. And this modality that I'm using right now is a combination of all the things that I've utilized over the year, uh, over the years. And um, and I call it soul alchemy um, because it basically is taking energy, low vibrational energies from the body, bringing it up in t- from the unconscious or subconscious or wherever it's lodged in the body, up into the conscious mind and out the door and replaced with new, refreshed, divine energy, whether we want to call it Reiki or uh, refined energy that is pure in form from God. Okay. Well, um, I know that different people uh, have different um, uh, protocol, so to speak, for how they conduct their uh, sessions. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what that might look like if someone were to come to have um, work done? Well, when somebody comes to... The thing about... Well, when somebody comes to me, I you know, we have conversation, we talk about what their needs are from the mind, from the mental point of view. Um, what is really needed inside the body, we don't really know until we assess the energy body. So that's usually where I start after our conversation with where it is they want to focus on, what they think their problem is. And then we go into the spiritual aspects of it where I am connected with spirit. I set up ceremony. Um, and, and I assess the energy body to find out where the trauma is at, what the soul is asking for mostly at this time. Because like I mentioned, if it's in the subconscious or unconscious mind, there's trauma lodged or um, past life issues. It's not going to be yet in the awareness of the client. So we address everything. Did that answer 
Yes, I think so. It's like a holistic uh, experience. So what um, drew you to this? I know many people feel that they have a calling to do this type of healing work, and everybody has a story about what what brought them to it. Uh, How did you arrive at this place? Wow, that's a really long story. Um, I'm a priestess, so my overall is to serve God. And I have a very close communion and covenant with God. And I walk with Jesus. And I also communicate with other um, interdimensional figures, archangels, um, divine feminine figures on the other side, energies. I do a lot of energy work. So I was given this modality um, from the other side, from Jesus. And um, I basically, it basically is a combination of everything that I had practiced separately um, with the coaching, with the Reiki. I'm a Reiki master. Mm -hmm. um, And with, and then really I'm the conduit. And I allow the divine to work through me doing this work. I don't take credit for this work. Okay. Typically. Well, um, I've heard a lot of people talk about their source of inspiration coming from um, to some divinity, some divine source. And um, I think that that's always the one thing that we can trust. Um, can you tell us um, a little bit about uh the remote work that you do, how would that work if a person wanted to do this and was not able to be face-to-face with you? Um, I can absolutely do it remotely. It's not my favorite way to do it just because of the electronics and we're dealing with energy and the energy body, but the divine is very powerful. (laughs) And I can do, I do many appointments online and uh, it works exactly the same way because I know how to create portals And also because I'm working with the divine, the divine is all encompassing and everywhere all the time. So there's an intelligence at work that is far more intelligent than I am, but it definitely works and it gets the same results. Um, My only thing is I really like to do ceremony with, you know, uh, incense and sage and candles and all of those kinds of things. So the aesthetics of, a a treatment and I also do feel the it can be it can be much more powerful in the physical um but it is still very effective and very powerful online Mm -hmm. and I do accept appointments online I see um I know you have done great work for me I will tell all my listeners that I personally have had Uh, probably um, the most transformational experience uh, with you that I have had in many, many, many experiences through many years um, that was uh, very healing and uh, purging um, catharsis of, of something that was tremendous weight on me. And so I'm very grateful for that. Um, so our, our focus on this podcast is about narcissistic abuse recovery. We have a lot of listeners who are struggling to reclaim their lives or to create a life that's whole and healthy following this experience with 
not just narcissistic partners, but sociopaths, psychopaths, people with anti-social personality disorder, um, but people that have personality disorders, lack of empathy, lack of remorse, um, these individuals that are um, dealing with that. Can you um, tell us a little bit about your experience with narcissistic abuse so we can all kind of identify with that? Sure, absolutely. Um, I experienced narcissism prior to me knowing what narcissism was. And because over the years, I this narcissism is becoming more and more conscious for us. And we're, we're discovering it as a very mm-hmm. severe personality disorder yeah. and very, very, very damaging. Uh, the first thing that I want to say, if anybody feels that they are suffering from this or they're in, or they know that they're in a narcissistic relationship with somebody that I encourage to go and get some support, <clears throat> number one, <clears throat> and number two, let you know that it is not your fault. Absolutely. I and because the person seems very, very, very normal, and as a very as a matter of fact, um, well, I'll just explain a couple of uh, incidences. I also was dating a, a gentleman that ended up to be a narcissist. This is at a time where I didn't know what narcissism is, and because I grew up in a uh, in some abuse, in a lot of abuse, actually, sexual abuse. Um, it was familiar to me to have my reality skewed. And so I fell into the pattern of what am I doing wrong? And what's wrong with me again? So I didn't recognize it at first as being him. I, I immediately turned it around on myself. The second time I had an experience with a sociopath and narcissist, I also didn't know what these were. And it was in an organizational, uh, progressive organizational situation where he was the leader. Very charismatic, charismatic, very brilliant, very young, but brilliant. And what they do is they cause a lot of craziness, a lot of mental manipulation, a lot of things where you're questioning yourself. The reality always, it gets so confusing and so hard to navigate, but yet they have the answer for everything, you know, that they, they are very clear that it's you. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> they are very clear about, you know, I almost think that they believe it themselves. I don't know because I don't know this dysfunction from a medical standpoint, just well, through experience. There is a degree of what they call magical thinking or fantastical thinking mm-hmm. that's involved with narcissism. So that many of these individuals feel that they are larger than life, that they have special powers, that they are prescient, that they are uh, superhumans, that they're connected to some kind of something that uh, makes them very special. It's uh, delusions of grandeur and entitlement, very much entitlement. (laughs) But, uh, you know, one of the things that I want to point out is that with narcissism, it's almost as if they all received the same script or the same playbook because most of us did not know what was happening when we were with uh, our disordered partner and only only discovered what it was 
after the fact. And um, for some, maybe there were hints and red flags along the way. Looking back, there were certainly many red flags that I ignored in my relationship. But I think that there's a lot of therapists that don't know what it is and don't know how to name it. I did have one psychiatrist who was not a social worker or LPC, but a psychiatrist who did who did say, I'm pretty sure that um, that this individual is disordered with a personality disorder. It's probably not going to end well. You need to think about an exit strategy. And I was dismissive, and I didn't really know what that was. Um, I have a degree, a master's degree, with a lot of guidance and counseling courses. We never talked about narcissism in the context of what this is now that, that we're seeing. Uh, so I was completely ignorant and arrogant, and you know I think that that's how that goes sometimes. But once you know that you are dealing with these people, can you talk to us about how you think that um, affects the energy of a person in their body where they hold that trauma? You already mentioned how uh, it's felt familiar because of early childhood uh, trauma. And that certainly resonates with me. It's the same thing. It's been a cyclical pattern my whole life. It's that early childhood trauma has, it's recapitulated and repeated itself over and over. And that made me feel very familiar and comfortable with these abusive people. So um, could you elaborate that a little bit? Yeah. If you've had early childhood trauma, you're more susceptible to believing that it's you to believing that it's your problem, that you're the dysfunctional one. Um, But this can obviously affect people also that are are healthy um, because it is so insidiously manipulative. And the normal person does not want to believe what they're actually seeing or what they're experiencing because it's so bipolar to what is they're displaying what mm-hmm. they're saying, what their images, and then they're doing these weird dysfunctional behaviors on the side and they don't make sense. Right. So the, even the average person thinks, no, I must, this is crazy. This is not, I must uh, be missing something. It is basically in the energy field. Um, well, it can obviously trigger trauma, but it is a life force sucking energy. It feels to me, it seems to me that it feeds off confusion and chaos and fear. And it's a disorder or a disease that actually feeds off another human being um, this, in this way. Mm-hmm. And so the person that is experienced, it becomes depressed, depleted, unable to be motivated, unable to fight back. Yes. You know, losing their power. They give a lot of their power away. Um, I think the, the term that, that the therapist uses, it's a learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. This learned helplessness. So at, at some point, I started believing that 
I was so dependent on him for everything that I couldn't make any decision or do anything without him. And, and I had this belief that if he were not there beside me, I would cease to exist. I would die. And mm-hmm. I think that that is something I carried forth from early, early childhood is this idea that, that my parents were not there for me and that when, with this abandonment there, I felt like I might die. I might cease to thrive as a helpless child. And I carried that feeling forward. So helplessness and dependency on, on these disordered people is very common. It's just, it's a common denominator, I think, for all narcissistic relationships. And there's different kinds. A lot of them are so high functioning. They seem very, uh, wonderful like wonderful people to the rest of the world because they don't even the even their partner thinks that they're wonderful people with just little glimpses here and there of something darker and more insidious um when we did our work together we talked about how sometimes dark things find entry with people who are disordered like perhaps mental illness fear anger these are the types of things that act as magnets to draw these dark energies and things. Can we talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about that. It's a little bit deeper. And if you don't mind me sharing some of your story. No, go ahead. Uh, um, I, when I worked with Jen, um, what we discovered was going on with her was a Luciferian stranglehold on her spine and some bondage going on there that was, in fact, um, developed through her relationship with this man. And um, we released that from her. And what what happens is dark forces will work through people that are deceased or disordered. They're, that's part of their disorder is, is a darkness, a dark force, a disease, a virus, um, a sickness. Um, and it had worked through him. So my, my viewpoint on people that are sick, these narcissists are are sick, are also that they are human beings that do have a light side, that do have a heart, that are, um, that are human beings, but they have something very dark that may be working through their unconscious And I don't want anybody that's in a relationship to take that as I need to help this person or be compassionate because it's not you. The first thing you need to do is get away. Yes. Save yourself. Yes. Been telling Jen this, we need to first have the person come back into their own health and wholeness, and then they can decide whether or not they can, can help the other person or not. Um, but yeah, did that answer your question? It can be, you know, when you want to go to deeper, darker forces and look at energy in that way, is it from the dark or from the light? This is very, uh, dis- diseases and disorders are from the dark. Mm-hmm. And what I want to, um, to, to remind listeners is that in my case, I think that um, my husband was not aware that he was being influenced by dark forces. He felt their presence. He talked about them. He even named them. He said that he had um, 
a life force speaking to him, and he had a name. His name was Marcus. And I often wondered what that was. And I told him, you know, things that come to you come and they are deceptive. Um, it could be something evil that's that looks like something you want that's seductive or something that you need, but actually be something else quite the opposite and that you have to be careful with that. And he was very dismissive about it because he was very confident because of the narcissism that the path that his, what he could see, what, what power he had with in the field of energy work and that kind of stuff, that it was all um, special for him, meant for him. And that it was a good thing when in fact, I, I don't think it was. I, I think that, he, so there was an unawareness sort of, um, uh, unconscious influence that was happening there. So if you were confrontational about this with your narcissistic partner or something, they would, first of all, they wouldn't recognize it or be able to acknowledge, acknowledge it. They're incapable of seeing that or feeling that. And so they would deny it. And then another feature of narcissism is that they often will not accept accountability or blame for anything. And they're always going to blame someone else and shift it to like, well, you're the one that's doubtful or you're the one that has the problem or you're the one that's lost and needs to find um, the light. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, absolutely, it's, it's is- not a, a one size fits all because there's different types of narcissists and it manifests in different ways. But um, I wanted to point that out that it doesn't have to be a conscience. Oh, I want to partner with the devil kind of decision. It's just something that happens. Like you said, that disease, mental instability, um, fear, anger, these kinds of things tend to be uh, an opening uh, like a door that's open for things to come in that they're not even aware are in there. Mm-hmm. So that, that's definitely something to think about. So um, I want to talk about the road to recovery, to, to actual healing. And um, I, in my experience, I had, um, I hit walls with just therapy and with, um, uh, different things that I turned to to try to get a grip on myself. It was touch and go the first six months. I wasn't sure I was going to make it through. And I was trying to reach deep into my toolbox and pull out any kind of thing in my arsenal to help gain my footing and to get a grip on myself. And I realized that therapy alone was not going to do it, even if the therapist was providing trauma-informed therapy, that still was not enough. To, to me, it's like a puzzle, and that was one piece. And I tried pranic healing, acupuncture, um, different meditations. I, try, I have a church group, um, and I have a group that is a scripture based Christian group that reads the Bible and talks about recovery and divorce uh, from that perspective. And I've made uh, support from um, with friends from that group. So what I, my takeaway is that there's so many different things you have to draw upon. How does the energy work factor in as a, a critical part of that healing program? 
Well, how it factors in is that everything is energy. Okay. So when we're, everything in our body is energy. This, even this table here is, is, is energy. Matter is a form of energy. And so when we are dealing with energy, we're dealing with the fundamental system of the body, even though it's the unseen. Uh, my biggest, um, I, I think energy work is one of the quickest and fastest and painless ways of, of healing. But I also preach and believe in a holistic approach where, you know, you want, you, you need to address, well, the, the alchemy that I do does address the mental frame, but, you know, maybe people need somebody to talk to every week or every day, a counselor, a psychologist um, for the mental realm. You need something to deal with the emotion, you know, the devastating grief and pain that one goes through. You need an outlet support group, uh, you know, uh, whatever kind of healing you need, you know, whether it's journaling, uh, something to heal your heart. And then also you want to address the physical as well, because the body is drained, tired, depleted. So addressing it from a physical standpoint is also, um, part of the holistic, uh, you know, reframe of resetting the programming in the body. But the energy work is is key, and I think without I think just doing psychology without energy is very very slow. I did eight years mm-hmm. of, um, and I loved my psychotherapist. Um, this was over my molestation when I was a child. I did eight years of therapy. Very very slow way of healing though. Mm-hmm. It's slow, so you know, all the time that you're going through a healing process, it doesn't have to be so slow. We have the capability to move fast in this time. I have seen that in my support groups and it terrifies me. (laughs) I have gone to so many groups and I've heard so many people say, yeah, I'm four years, six years, eight years post discard. Um, after this marriage with this, this disordered person. And I'm sitting there thinking, Oh my gosh, I don't have six or eight more years to be stuck in this, um, this abyss, this pit of misery where everything in me is disordered. Uh, I need to just get it together a little quicker, partly because Mm -hmm. of my age and, and that kind of thing. So and I also give you great kudos because that is the way that you, you've done everything. And this is your power. You know, you are taking your power back by everything that you do, including this podcast for your recovery. And I give you kudos for going to the lengths that you've gone to, um, to get the help that you need. Well, I tell you what, I appreciate that very much, but it's something that we all need to be doing. This mm. is a, a fight for our lives in many ways. And um, it's if we don't find every way afforded to us to try to use it and leverage it towards our own recovery, then it could take 10 years. It's possible you're never going to be okay. I've seen mm-hmm. that too. And if you don't want to be one of those statistics, you're going to have to think outside the box and and just be very aggressive and come up with many, many inventful uh, 
ways to approach this. So we're almost out of time. Um, can you tell us how we can contact you, talk about your website, what's on there and that kind of thing? Sure. Anybody can contact me through my website. It's www.tayana, which is T-E-A-H-N-A.com. Very simple, tayana.com. I have an email form that you can contact me, my phone number. I also have an online booking uh, platform if anybody wants to make an appointment with me. The good news is, is that my work right now is by donation only. And this is because of the times right now where we absolutely need to evolve as quickly as possible and heal uh, during these times. And so I am offering by donation only. There's no reason why uh, anybody can't afford this. Absolutely. And I will give a quick testimony <laughs> and say that it has been transformational for me to work with you. Uh, and I think you Thank saved you. me years of struggling and muddling through. <laughs> and I <I'm, laughs> uh, have very much gratitude for you and respect for your work and what you do. Thank you so much, Jen. All right. Well, um, that's it for today. Um, visit Narc Troopers if you want to hear more podcasts uh, and share. Share this with people who may need to hear it. We have to keep going. Uh, keep your social distance uh, and keep your um, journey moving towards wholeness and healing. See you next time, everyone. Much love.